Hi, I'm Jenny from Wisconsin. I'm Jill from Michigan. Welcome back to our podcast, Creepy Soup. Where we discuss all things creepy. Paranormal. True crime. Spiritual. With a side of bullshit. Welcome back to Creepy Soup. Hope everyone has had a good couple of weeks. First, I want to apologize. Um, we did have an episode recorded. It was not good. Um, definitely not good enough to release and be proud of. Um, and we were going to re-record the next day. Um, I ended up getting injured at work and was not able to really have any use of my right hand. So typing or and definitely writing notes was out of the question. Um, so we do want to apologize for the delay in this episode being released. We are obviously re-recording. Um, and I, so I just want to throw that out there. I just wanted to apologize for the delay. And all right, I wanted to give you time to heal and not only heal your hand, but heal, heal your heart and your mind, because I'm sorry, those are very traumatic events that happened to you. And I, I wanted to give you the time that you needed to recover fully. Um, unfortunately, you are still not fully recovered, but you are recovered enough to where we can record. And I appreciate the pains that you may be in while doing this. Yeah, it, it honestly hasn't been easy. Um, for those of you who don't know, I work in a truck plant. And it's hard to describe my job if you don't know what it is. But... I have to lift a hood and there was a safety issue and um, a truck hood fell on my arm and my hand and they're saying nothing's broken. I'm not sure I believe that because I don't. It, it's six days later and they're still swelling and bruising. I wore a tank top to work yesterday and you know how you get that look of people that see it and go, oh my she being abused <laughs> and so I got that look a lot yesterday um wearing t-shirts were covering it up but it was a beautiful day yesterday um so I wore a tank top not really thinking too much of that being on display and I got that look several times um but yeah, there's still some swelling. I ended up sitting in the emergency room for approximately five hours just to wait on x-ray results. And it was not a fun time, not a fun time. Um, and it's been a lot of leaving home early to go in to the medical department for them to, you know, give me like two days at a time of restrictions and it's honestly getting ridiculous because I got to do it again today. Because um, she still can't do her normal job. 
no just, i just want to no... note that she she still can't and they had initially yeah. tried to tell her that she could go back to her normal job today i left yeah. and i said there's no way yeah because i have to use my hands to like punch kind of i don't know like i'm it's the side of my fist and i'm getting the part laid down so it's nice and presentable and there's no way i could do that with my hand right now i can't i can't tie my shoes i have to wear slip-on shoes to work um so yeah it's it, that's been an ordeal um and yeah it's been not a great time um but again i do apologize for the lateness of this episode and because of it um you will be getting two episodes this week um so there's that you know you could binge them or you know however you do it but there will be two um the second episode that is going to be happening um I did on the side um, so that we can give Jill a little more time to heal. Hopefully next week we can be back to like our normal flow of things. Um, and so we will announce that at the end of this episode as far as what the next one will be about. Yep, yep. Um, so other than that, <laughs> how, <coughs> how was your last week then? um interesting <laughs> um my one supervisor and i were talking about mercury retrograde uh-huh. which just started um but we've been having the pre-effects for a couple of weeks now um same, same. but we were talking about it and he went home to experience a multitude of electronic issues. <laughs> the, the poor man, I, I feel for him. Um, and so he comes back to work a couple of days later when I see him and he's like, uh, so yeah, this is what happened. And he completely attributed it to Mercury retrograde, whereas prior he wouldn't have ordinarily you know, associated the two but he is now you know kind of on alignment with that shall we say Mm -hmm. um but my personal experiences with that um yeah phone connection it don't exist here i was literally at the gas station in my town talking to my husband on the phone i opened my car door and i had no service oh (laughs) i was like what so for the last couple of days, if I'm not connected to Wi-Fi, I have no service in my phone. Oh, wonderful. Um, it is also kind of goofing up the electronics in my car. Um, and like, if you know me, my car's name is Tony. He's pretty new. He's pretty bougie. Um, it's got a lot, of be- a lot of bells and whistles and special buttons that I don't know what they do, but I enjoy pushing them. Um, he had hail damage, um, and I just got him out of the shop 
uh, let's see, what is today? Today's Wednesday, so five days ago. I got him back from the shop and since um, the front collision sensor is not working properly when it's warm. <laughs> Only if it's warm. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, so that, that's been interesting. It's like, yeah, Tony, I know, calm down. You'll be all right. <laughs> <coughs> and I believe we are out of Mercury retrograde June 3rd. So and then we have the after effects. <laughs> yeah. Um, usually, and um, in our Facebook group, the, the Creepy Soup, Creepy with a K, um, there have been, you know, posts made of kind of how to help, help you through Mercury retrograde, like different things you can do, things to do, things not to do. Um, crystals to carry, different things to do. So if that's something that interests you and you haven't yet, um, you can search for the group on Facebook, um, Creepy Soup, Creepy with a K, same way it's spelled here um, for the podcast. Um, it is a uh, where you need to answer questions to get in to the group. Um, so if you do join, be advised of that. Um, and either Jenny or myself or one of our three wonderful moderators, Dan, Sherry, and Tracy, um, can also approve you. Um, so I definitely want to shout those three out um, because they're awesome people and awesome additions to our page and let's face it our lives yes, <laughs> um very much so and i want to also say thank you to tracy dan and sherry you all are a big part of my heart i love you all very much and appreciate all that you do to help us with that page and just to kind of help keep it active even you know um, the things that y'all share on there are, you know, perfectly in line with the things that we are doing on the podcast. Um, so if you do join us on Creepy Soup for Facebook, give a shout out to them and let us know that you're following in from the podcast. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else we needed to discuss? Words, words are hard. Um, oh, yeah, that's the other thing of Mercury record rate. <laughs> you know what? For, for me, I cannot blame Mercury retrograde for my lack of English <laughs> because we go through this every episode. Words are hard. Um, there was a podcast I, I listened to, and they no longer make episodes that they they're done with the podcast. You can still find it. Um, if you like true crime and foul mouth, um, which I do, um, the podcast is called Color Me Dead. And I actually have a shirt from Color Me Dead because one of the women used to always say, fuck mouth, make words. <laughs> and I have a shirt that says that. I mean, for me, have a shirt. What? 
Never. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, um, I, uh, yeah. And that, that is like a mantra for me because I, like I said, I can't blame Mercury retrograde for my lack of words. Um, I stumble all the time. It's like my brain is way faster than my mouth, which is saying something because my mouth is pretty damn quick. <laughs> um, so um, I know this past weekend we had Mother's Day. I had a great Mother's Day. Um, I had the whole weekend off from work. They canceled our Saturday. Um, Saturday night, my husband made me an awesome steak dinner. Um, I took my weekly treat over to my grandbabies. Um, I took them over some ice cream and some cones and they made, they got to make their own ice cream cones. Um, so they enjoyed that. Um, and on Mother's Day, I got to see both of my children. And I got to see three of my grandkids. So, and my son-in-law. So it was, it was a good day. Like I had a great mother's day. That's good. I'm glad for you. I, uh, I wasn't able to spend a lot of time with my mom on mother's day, which I regret. Um, but I did have to run into town. And so I picked her up um, a, a rose because I had already given her a, a mother's day gift uh for myself and for my son um and then stopped in said hi said happy mother's day um you know and let her know that i wasn't able to make it to the cookout that she had planned because i had to work um and then came back home where i got my gift from my son um and then proceeded to get ready for my day and by the time I was essentially done getting ready, um, they were done with their cookout process. And so I was able to actually eat hot food off the grill <laughs> before nice. I went to work. That, that's always a bonus because that almost never happens. Um, I think last year I got it one time before I went to work. Um, so, yep. And then I, I worked. <clears throat> no, I, um, I, I had a really nice day. Um, and the one thing I regret and I had seen them and I was like, Oh, I'm going to grab those for Judy, which is my daughter. Um, I wanted to get her flowers and I was so rushed. I didn't do that. So wonder boop, if you are listening, the thought was there <laughs> and I'm so sorry. That, that is what she has listed in as my phone, or in my phone. Um, if anyone went through my phone, they would be like, what is wrong with this woman? Um, but nobody in my family is listed by their actual name. <laughs> um, my husband is Splendid Daddy. <laughs> um, and that's because he spoils me, but not in monetary ways. He, you know, like cooks me dinner and... And he'll just get up and, and he doesn't make my coffee. I, I'm picky about my coffee. Um, but he'll like pour me a glass of pop, grab me a bottle of water, whatever. Um, my daughter is Wonder Boop. And that comes from like a little video I saw a couple years ago on 
uh, Facebook where the little girl was talking about a superhero named Wonder Boop. And I was like, oh, that is the cutest thing. And my son, um, my brother is Beavis. He's been Beavis in my phone ever since I've had a phone. He's just been Beavis. Um, my brother-in-law, because he has a long beard, is Tate Tickler. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <clears throat> and my... <laughs> And my son is um, Dirty Little Multigrain Whore. <laughs> Do I want to know where the multigrain comes from? <laughs> okay, so quick story, and, and, and then we'll get, we'll get started on the meat and potatoes. Okay, because I've had this thing now for years of having nicknames and phones, my son's was Roadkill. Because, right, I'm that mom, okay? Um, (laughs) We were leaving a casino, and I thought he was in with the door shut. He wasn't. So I started to drive, and he was like, what am I, roadkill now? So that became (laughs) his nickname. Well, one night, him and his friend were riding their bikes, and he he got hit by a car. While riding his bike. And like he was okay, he was fine. Um, his phone, not so much. Um, but I just I couldn't have him as roadkill anymore. So we were we were watching a show. Anybody is familiar with the FX series The League? There is a part, I don't even remember what leads up to it, but the guy grabs a loaf of bread and kind of like dry humps it. It's his dirty little multigrain horn. I'm like, that is Buddy's new nickname in my phone. So yeah, that's where that came from. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That was a hilarious story. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) I am totally giving your kids help. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Like, yeah, and Judy has been everything from Bibbit. There's a story behind that one. We'll share another day. I think one embarrassed child a week is enough. <laughs> um, she's been Dandelion, and that's a line from Orange is the New Black, where Crazy Eye says, I'm going to call you Dandelion. And so, yeah, it was, there's names everywhere. I, I might be missing some. Um, one of my friends from work, someone called her an evil bitch at work. So she's evil bitch in my phone. Um, my friend, Rachel is extremely tall. So she is tall one. Um, yeah. Do I want to know what mine is? I actually don't have one for you yet, but it's coming. I promise it's coming. And, and, and when it happens, I will announce it on the podcast. Oh, geez. Um, you know, ironically, the only person to ever give me a nickname that has stuck, like in all of my life, is that person who runs that specific Patreon group that we're in. Oh, yeah, yeah. The haunted one. That is the only nickname that has ever stuck for me. I've had a few. Um, I have a niece. Um, my niece calls me AJ short for Aunt Jill. Um, and I have been Jilly Bean. 
You're my jelly bean. For so long. And I think the first one that ever called me that was my ex sister in law. Um, oh, I'm sorry, was, I won't call you that anymore. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's fine. I love the name. I love the name. And she, that actually came about during like a drunk whining session. We wouldn't give her her keys because she was intoxicated. That's hilarious. <clears throat> so she was like, Jelly Bean. And I'm like, Shut the fuck, I'm going to sleep. Sleep it <laughs> off. You can have your keys in the morning. Um, so yeah, that's. <laughs> But I have been Jelly Bean for the longest time. Just for the longest time. So on that note, let's jump into this. Um, My portion is the murder-suicide of Addie Hall and Zach Bowen. Um, There there are some aspects that that are tough, so it's you know I'll give you a trigger warning now there's there's some yuck in here um so we're gonna start with a little background on each of them and then kind of jump in now this is not a full deep dive um if you want a full deep dive of this case um the podcast southern fried true crime um did an amazing two episode series on this it was like and that's where a lot of my information comes from like remembering that it was and then my main my my source for my notes is ghostcitytours.com um but erica kelly does an amazing job on this case it is a deep dive um and she had she has so many sources for hers um, I know there's documentaries. Um, I honestly don't know if there's a book regarding the case. I would have to think there is. I, um, I didn't come across anything about a book either. Um, I only saw like the uh, video documentary um, and things like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's like an ID episode of something. Okay. Um, um, because there is something in about one of the documentaries that I'm going to jump into a little later. Um, so to get to know Addie Hall, she was free-spirited, feisty, um, bohemian, independent, artisty type. And it, like if you've seen pictures of her, and I will post them in our group, she just looks like this little petite, I don't know, she reminds me of a, a little fairy. Like all she's missing is the wings. She's just this tiny little thing and she's cute i'm beginning Um, to think you have a fairy obsession because that's the second person i've heard you describe that way yeah yeah there's a lot i could describe (laughs) yeah um but she's just she's just this just this tiny little waif of a thing she's just um According to uh, Ghost City Tours, she was wary of relationships with men because of abuse she had suffered. Um, She rode her bike everywhere to get where she needed to go. Um, She was a bartender at, I don't know if it's a club bar, um, called the Spotted Cat. Um, Life as an artist is never easy. So you try to balance artistic expression, surroundings, lifestyle, 
and you just try to make that fit, which is what she did. And she kind of fit right there in the middle, um, trying to find herself and amuse all while trying to battle her own demons with addictions. Um, and enters Zach Bowen, who was described as charismatic, charming, good looking. Um, he left an impression on everyone he met. He grew up in California. Um, he married young to a woman who was 10 years older. I'm not naming her or his children because they're all still alive and I feel their privacy should be protected. Um, I mean, you can find this stuff easily by looking it up online. So if you're super curious, but I'm not releasing that. <clears throat> Um, they had two children and in order to care for his family, he joined the army, um, for basically the benefits. Um, and his wife took the kids and decided to leave him. He was devastated, lonely. Um, and by this time, obviously he was living in, um, New Orleans also, which I don't know if I said that's where this case takes place. Um, he had, um, served two tours or served tours in Iraq and Kosovo. Um, and he was generally discharged, um, which I believe that means he doesn't get benefits or full benefits. I don't know. Um, but he had severe PTSD and he never found help for that. And I did read somewhere, actually, I believe I heard this in the podcast that one of the things that really hit him hard during his time, I believe it was in one of those places, um, his, um, squad had befriended a child. They would give this child candy, um, kind of thing. And, this child was beheaded in front of him and that caused a lot of his depression and PTSD. And, you know, obviously that's a big thing with veterans, PTSD. Um, and, you know, there's definitely not enough help for that. Agreed. Um, so, um, Addie met Zach while they were both bartending in the French Quarter. Um, as a way of flirting, she played a mean girl. And it was really just to see what he could take, like how much she could dish out and how much could he handle. Um, it is said that she had an ugly side to her because she suffered from bipolar, bipolar disorder and not taking her medications for her mental illness on a regular basis. So of course, this caused angry, uncontrolled outbursts. Um, many of their friends recall outrageous fights. Um, it was a toxic relationship from the start, field fueled, see, words hard, not fun. Um, <laughs> You know, you got two people that are having mental health problems, and then you add drugs and alcohol. 
that is a recipe for disaster. Agreed. Um, they started dating um, just weeks before Hurricane Katrina came and they wanted to stay where they were and stick out the hurricane together. Um, and of course, as we know, Hurricane Katrina was deadly. Um, and devastating. Very devastating. Um, the destruction it left behind, you know, the lives it took. Um, and I'm sure it took an already haunted city and just blew that up. I agree um, with that. Uh, you know, heartbreaking. And because I can remember, um, I worked at a chain drugstore at the time. And I remember like we um, were doing donations for that at the time. And I can just remember thinking like, that is so just devastating. And, you know, you would, the, the magazines would come in to the store and, you know, we would see like the, you know, the covers of like different magazines of the aftermath. And it, it was heartbreaking to see those. And so, but Zach and Addie were inseparable from that point. And they made a name for themselves because they would serve up liquor and, and they would scrape meals together um, for people that were kind of like homeless and whatever from Katrina, you know, because a lot of people obviously lost their homes, their businesses, everything, you name it. Um, Zach and Addie were even photographed for national magazines including time um and they were interviewed so to them they felt like the king and queen of the quarter um and then reality set back in news kind of went off to the side um i want to say like the story that knocked Katrina kind of out of the news was probably Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt divorcing. I oh my want to say it was around the same time because, you know, that was way more important than what was going on. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I mean, I'm sure to them it was, but honestly, no. Yeah, I um, do agree with that. You know, they were forced back into a lifestyle, uh, Zach and Addie, not Brad and Jen, um, that they, you know, they weren't ready to experience again. Like bills now are piling up because, you know, shit is back up and running. Right. So, you know, you, you got to be an adult now and, and you pay bills and your responsibilities and, um, you know, they're their newfound fame, I guess, was not there anymore. Mm -hmm. um, she didn't want the responsibility um, that came with him being someone's ex-husband 
and a father of two children. She didn't want that. Um, you know, that was his responsibility, not hers. She wanted him though. So it was yeah. like, uh, I, and I'm, I'm sure that caused many, many fights. No, um, and at that point, the honeymoon phase was over. Um, the physical and emotional pain um, was mildly numbed by, you know, drugs and alcohol. Um, violent fights erupted. They began to drift apart. Um, so to start over from scratch, quote unquote, um, they decided to get an apartment together, which where um, uh, la, 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 826 North Rampart Street comes in. They, um, do, 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 do. Um, they got this apartment. It was a, a, available immediately. Um, so they took tips from their pocket and they moved in right away. Um, as soon as they started unpacking boxes, Addie went to the landlord, asked that it only be in her name, the landlord refused. Um, she claims that Zach was cheating on her. Um, I don't know if that was actually true. Um, it just says she discovered that he was cheating. Um, and then considering her past with men, that was like her end all and the relationship was over. Um, the landlord basically wrote a handwritten contract and just basically said, suck it up and sort it out. Um, and of course, once Zach learned of this, he was angry. Um, so around one o'clock in the morning on Thursday, October 26th, or, oh my God, that must be an important day for me because that's not the day this is, um, October 5th, 2006. See, I'm just, words that's a whole Remember. difference there <laughs> isn't it um zach strangled Addie to death um he of course was drunk um he fell asleep next to her body on the futon um committed necrophilia got up the next day went to work you know because that's what we do right we, we do sick and twisted shit and go to work um, his coworkers remember him acting kind of weird, wearing sunglasses, being very quiet. Um, over the next several days, he, back at their apartment, he cut up Addie's body in the bathtub with a hacksaw and a knife. Um, put the pieces of her body on the stovetop for cooking, as well as in the refrigerator. And there will be. Um, photos from this in our Facebook group that I will post probably just prior to um, releasing the episode. Um, he gave her a haircut, oh. which is, which is weird. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one. But okay. Um, and he stuck her head inside of a pot. He placed, she had little feet, because like I said, she's fairy size, like pocket size. Um, he placed her feet and hands in another pot on the back burner of the stove. Um, 
We found a roasting pan and that's where her arms and legs went inside the oven. Um, her torso was placed in a black plastic trash bag in the fridge to be dealt with later. Um, apparently his intentions were to separate the flesh from bone, which ooh, yeah, that's gross to me, but yeah. I mean, I, I can do it on, on, you know, a rack of ribs, but a, a people, no, it's it. um, nope. Um, but it was meant to be an easier way of disposing of her. And at the time, a lot of people said that he had intended to cannibalize. Yeah, um, but autopsy reports confirmed that there was absolutely no signs of that. Right, Which, and actually in my research, I had found that um, there were reports of other bits of food that were on the stove as well. Um, not so much necessarily in the pots with the parts, but just that they were there almost like the thought had occurred and then was rejected. Um, actually, I, I have, I, I'll be posting the, the stove from the police photographs. And there's like cigarettes and whiskey bottles and money on, on top of the stove. Okay, so misreporting. Gotta love it. Yeah, because I know you brought it up when we recorded the fiasco last week. And I was like, no, that's not right. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so Addie's friends and co-workers were wondering where she was because obviously she's not showing up to work. She's not anywhere to be seen. Um, he told them she left and went back to North Carolina, which not true. Um, and a lot of people were surprised because she loved New Orleans. Um, there is a, a spot where she calls herself a Puerto Rican, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, Cause I, apparently it's just someone that fits in the French quarter. Um, and and honestly, let's be honest here, if she stuck out the hurricane and everything else and would not leave, why would a separation cause her to run back home? Right, exactly. And that, you know, and that's why her friends like couldn't see her leaving um but other people weren't shocked because mental health issues are a thing true um you know and a lot of people with mental health issues can be very unpredictable so some people i guess could see her just running away from the situation um on tuesday evening october 17th 2006 i got that one right Mm -hmm. um nearly two weeks so it's 12 days um after he murdered Addie, zach committed one more act of violence by jumping to his own death from the seventh floor of the omni royal or orleans hotel he left a handwritten note and his dog tags and a plastic bag in his pocket and the gate keys 
to the apartment in his front pocket. Um, the letter to police only, that's how it was addressed, um, led the detectives, police to their home. Um, and of course they questioned the landlord and they were pointed to the apartment. And there was in fact more of Zach's writings. Um, there was still unopened boxes from where they hadn't even unpacked because this was literally days after they moved into the apartment, days. Um, the first thing they noticed um, was um, the temperature and lack of smell. The air conditioning was set to 60 degrees and on full blast. So it was cold. Like, okay, we're storing stuff. <laughs> um, there was no smell of rotting flesh and the bathroom was clean of any lingering blood. Um, on the walls in silver spray paint, the words, I love her, I'm a total failure. And finally look in the oven with an arrow pointing to the stove door. Um, and I'm sure the people, the detectives, police, whoever found that, that is, they, they probably still picture that. Could you imagine finding that like after opening an oven door and every time you are cooking, and you yeah. open your oven door, I am sure that flashes in their head. Like I, I absolutely, um, and it's odd because when I, growing up, I wanted to be a police officer. I really did. I wanted to do the detective work, but I always forget, I don't like the sight of blood. It makes me dizzy. It makes it hard to do that kind of a job. Exactly. <laughs> so I became a shop rat. Um, so the letter they found in his pocket said, this is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, and a full signed confession from myself, Zach Bowen. Um... So, of course, at the scene, they find her journal with he had written in there. So, um, this is all a quote from him. Today is Monday, October 16th. Well, today is, I'm going to start over because words. Today is Monday, 16, October, 2 a.m. I killed her at 1 a.m. Thursday, 5 October. I very calmly strangled her. It was very quick. Halfway through the task, I stopped and thought about what I was doing. The decision to halt the first idea and move to plan B, the crime scene you are now in, came after a while. I scared myself, not by the action of calmly strangling the woman I've loved for over one and a half years, and then desecrating her body, but my entire lack of remorse. I've known for forever how horrible, horrible of a person I am. Ask anyone and decided to quit my jobs and spend the $1,500 cash I had being happy until I killed myself. So that's what I did. Good food, good drugs, good strippers, good friends, and any loose ends I may have had. I didn't contact any of my family, so that'll explain the shock. And had a fantastic time living out my days. It's just about time now. 
Um, so that was the day before he dumped. Um, so a little bit about the apartment that they moved into. Um, it was an apartment above Priestess Miriam's Voodoo Spiritual Temple. It was a well-respected cultural establishment. Um, many would claim that the dark voodoo history of the location had something to do with Zach's overwhelming mental illness and violent outbursts. I don't think so. Um, I don't think, I mean, I, I, it, was, it was a time bomb from the beginning, I feel. Um, I just think the way it aligned, um, if she discovered him cheating, he was angry because she said the relationship was over. And yeah. Um, so I don't think the building itself had shit to do with the crime. I think it's just a unfortunate coincidence um, of location. Um, but plain and simple, Addie Hall was a murder victim. Um, but simply put, it was a case of severe, severe domestic violence turned criminal. Um, Zach's own personal demons basically took what was left of his sanity and it caused him to end Addie, Addie's life and his own. Um, the Voodoo Spiritual Temple was founded, excuse me, in 1990 by Priestess Miriam and her then husband, um, Priest Aswan Shamani. Um, they moved to the Rampart Street location a year later in 91 and remained there until February 2016 when a fire broke out and destroyed much of the building. Um, and like that's the history of them. Um, a little bit of the building. Um, the, the rest of it, I will let you get into, but a few statistics. Um, and this is according to the article on ghostcitytours.com. Um, according to a study in, from 2014, one in four active duty members of the military show signs of mental health condition that needs to be treated with three major primary health concerns. One is PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and you know, a, I don't wanna be one of those people, but I think everyone has something that causes them a little bit of PTSD. Um, I think some cases are worse than others, obviously. Um, but I believe because of things he seen during his tours, he definitely had a bad case of it. Um, I believe there's also some depression in there. Um, you know, which most people think it's a clinical depression or sadness, but it's 
it's so much more than that. If you've ever experienced it, it's hopelessness. It's feeling, you know, uh, what good am I? Why am I here? What, what point, you know? Yeah. I could go on about that. Oh yeah. Like not eating for days. Um, we're not, not opening stopping any, eating for days. Yep. Um, not leaving your bed, a room, not showering, not, nothing. So, yeah. Anyway, th- that could be a whole episode in of itself. Um, and then you have traumatic brain injury, which obviously is a significant blow to the head or body. Um <clears throat> And it can cause, you know, severe headaches, fatigue, drowsiness, memory problems, mood swings, changes. And obviously without proper treatment, which we do know that Zach did not get the proper treatment for that. So, you know, he was traumatized in the military. Um, Katrina, um, you know, he... Yes, he killed her, but in a way, like, I can, and people might have a different opinion, don't come for me, but, you know, as far as, he was a victim too, Um, you know, because I don't want to get into the whole thing, but, you know, VA hospitals are so overworked, and there's just not the help for them. And so, I mean, yes, he killed her, but I do feel because of that, um, he in a way was a victim too. So that leads us to your side. My side is the haunted aspect of the apartment. Um, and it, it is a older building. Uh, as of 2018, it is above Bloody Mary's Haunted Museum, uh, which is on North Rampart Street. Um, I haven't been able to find anything to date as to whether or not it is still there. Um, Bloody Mary did come under a lot of scrutiny in regards to that museum. Um, and how she was portraying things. Um, Obviously, the case of Zach and Addie was not the only case that she had displayed, shall we say, at her museum, but also various other high-profile instances within New Orleans. Um, Before Zach and Addie had moved into their apartment, previous tenants had noted that they did feel the presence of a child um, within the space, but it was always referred to as a comforting and gentle entity. Um, And so it is my belief, my personal belief, so don't don't be coming at me, um, it's just my opinion that the mental health of Zach combined with the mental health of Addie, which each in their own was destructive and volatile, mixed together created a more volatile 
atmosphere, basically. Um, because they were living above a spiritual shop uh, where seances and things of that nature were consistently happening, um, there were, we're, we're going to use the word energies, that were in and out of the building on a regular basis. Um, they were meant to be sent away after the dealings were done. Um, but who's to say that something, you know, didn't come in because of their negativity, um, because of their addictions and things like that. You know, maybe it was the perfect storm of being in a highly charged environment, poor, you know, mental health and things like that, coupled with addiction, that does have a tendency to draw in negative things. Um, I got it. I'm going to interrupt you. Sorry. I'm going to interrupt you real quick um, because I did forget a little bit of the true crime aspect. In one of the documentaries about Zach and Addie, a friend and co-worker of Addie's named Margaret Sanchez was on there and um, she was interviewed for this documentary, maybe a couple different news pieces, um, was later arrested and charged um, and that with her and her boyfriend at the time, um, lured a dancer named Jaron Lockhart. Um, she was a dancer and a mother. And they basically did the same thing to her that Zach did to Addie. Um, and when she was interviewed on the news about the dancer's death. She was like, I felt so bad for her family because I had a friend. My friend was Addie Hall. She was cut up and cooked and her boyfriend jumped off of a hotel. Um, and it was her, uh, Margaret's brother that turned the couple in. So I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Scared the shit out of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, it's my very firm belief that, um, you know, addictions and poor mental health and things like that can draw in negative energies. Um, you know, that's something where, you know, positive people bring in positive energies, negative people bring in negative energies. And as I said, they're in a highly charged space, you know, because of the spiritual shop below them. So who's to say that something didn't find them extra attractive because of Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and the reason I say that is because of the things that he did right on the walls. Because in my way of thinking, um, those are things that kind of cry out. You know, they're, they're things that are saying, hey, I didn't want to do this. Um, and then not only that, to say he was so calm about it, like that's to say that he was devoid of all emotion, in, in my thought. Um, I lost it now. Where did it go? <laughs> um, so a couple of the things that he had wrote on the wall were, I'm a total failure. Please help me stop the pain. 
And to me, that is a cry out, you know, saying that he wanted to stop it. And, you know, that there was a, a pain that he couldn't control. Um, in most cases, when people are going through a oppression, um, which leads to a words. <laughs> See, it's contagious. It is. It totally is. Possession. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, oppression leads to possession. Um, to me, the things that he wrote seemed very plausible for oppression. Um, and who's to say that that didn't lead to a full-on? Um, Jesus Christ. Uh. <laughs> Thanks, Jill. Thanks. Who's to say that that didn't lead to a full possession? Um, and when Zach, I'm sorry, not Zach, when Nick Groff and Katrina Weidman went to the space at the request of Bloody Mary, um, they did find that the spirits of Zach and Addie were still very active in that space. Um, she was primarily active in the bedroom and bathroom spaces, whereas he was more active throughout the rest of the apartment. Um, they did an episode on Paranormal Lockdown, season two, episode 10. Um, if you are interested in checking that out, um, they stayed there for a, a while. They used all of the tools that they had in their tool chest, basically, to try and determine what was what, who was who, and all of that. Um, in the end, they did find that there was a childlike spirit there. Um, and then the two spirits of Zach and Addie. There are some people who believe that child spirits are all demonic. Um, and then there are other people who say, no, they are not. They are true children. Um, I say, look at your location. Is it a space where it is likely to have child spirits? Or is it someplace where a child spirit would never possibly be? Um, I, I think it is very much a environmental factor as to whether or not that is the case. Um, apparently, there was some musings that that could be one of the potential factors to it. Um, personally, I don't think so, considering how old the location is and the history behind it. Um, I, I would say a child spirit is you know, very likely. I don't believe it's a you know, secret demonic entity that was trying to take them over or anything like that. However, that being said, they did feel a dark presence within the space that I believe they had said specifically was throwing pieces of rock at them from the attic slash crawl space. Um, they were attempting to document this. They um, were trying to, you know, get electronic voice phenomena responses or EVP responses. They tried various other equipment to document that activity, um, but for the most part, it was just they were hearing it bounce off the walls. They were hearing it bounce off the floor. 
um, things like that. At one point, they even had a camera sitting up in that space on the rafters. Nick even offered to sleep on the rafters in that space to try that, and get evidence of it. That part, that part was really interesting to me. And I say that because I have a very bad back. So even the thought, like when he suggested that, my back started hurting. Right? I mean, who's willing to sleep in the rafters? Because there is no actual ceiling beneath it. It is just the beams to the ceilings, you know, loft space. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she would, naturally, Katrina was very concerned that he would end up falling um, and getting hurt. Um, so, yeah, it, it was um, a fairly intense episode, um, but not the most intense that I have seen. I think that for the most part, it was rather toned down, um, but at the same time, still very obvious activity, uh, very credible activity. Um, and so in the end, they ended up having Bloody Mary come in and do a blessing on the home to help force out that negative presence that they could not identify and to potentially find some peace for Zach and Addie so that they could leave the space as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, you know what, I was hoping because even at the end, of the second episode of Southern Fried True Crime, um, she brings up like the hauntings. So I was hoping there would be like a shit ton of information about that. Yeah, there really um, isn't. And yeah, to me, it was disappointing to not. Um, and the fact that, you know, like you had brought up the scrutiny that she faced. Um, of, excuse me, um, you know, like having like a Chucky and a Bride of Chucky doll in there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel that's very, very disrespectful. Um, now, it, it would be different if they were collectors of things like that. Right. Okay, then I could see it, but that's just like, very exploiting to me. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, just because I did read a few things of people who were very disgusted by mm -hmm. that. And, and I could understand it. And, you, you know, it's not like this is an old, old case. Right. Um, you know, like I said, he has an ex-wife and he has children. Right. And it's something that would be so very fresh in a lot of people's minds who are of that area. Right. And, you know, they, they worked in a, like the public, you know, with, you know, in bars and stuff. So I'm sure they knew a lot of people. They had friends there that probably just find that disgusting. Yeah. I would have to agree. And maybe it's in part because of that that there isn't more out there in regards to the haunting aspect. Um, because in fact, when Nick and Katrina had gone in to investigate the space for the episode, it's actually only half the episode. Mm -hmm. 
they actually go to another location. So it wasn't yeah. even worth an entire episode because it the activity just like it it wasn't enough. Like yes, right. there's activity that is for sure, you know. Um, but it's nothing that is overly ominous, you know. It was things moving here and there, things, you know, footsteps and things like that, but nothing, you know, that was consistent you know like you don't just constantly hear you know knocking on the wall you don't constantly hear like you know in, in my opinion considering the fact that the oven and refrigerator are still there like I would be creeped out if I started hearing the refrigerator opening or you know oven door opening you know like that would be something that would probably be the the straw that broke the camel's back you know um, but things like that aren't happening. It's the mild, subtle things of basically just, hey, we're here, we're sharing the space. Right. So, and that actually kind of comforts me a little bit as far as Addie, um, because, you know, it, it was her home. She, she wanted it to be her space. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to get that reprieve from her landlord. Um, which, if I'm not mistaken, he is actually the last person to have seen her alive. So, and I, I can't imagine how much that weighs on him, you know, right. knowing that he wouldn't allow it and that he was the last person, you know, and he actually sent her back up to Zach and said, you know, you, you guys got to work it out. You got to figure it out. You're, you're in this together you know, time to grow up and be adults, basically. Yeah. And then everything happened. So I, I can't imagine that he would be overly excited about the museum. So, but yeah, I think all of that is probably a good reason as to why there isn't more out there. It, it could be. But yeah, I, I was hoping like to find something. Um, so we are going to um, let you in on the secret of Jenny's next um, episode, um, which will be out this week, promise. Um, and that is she is going to do an episode on the Michigan Triangle. Yes. I wanted to do something that connected both Wisconsin and Michigan and what better that touches the shores of each state. Which is going to be interesting. It, um, it is. There, there's a lot of documented history to this case. Um, do you have any recommendations for this week? My recommendation for this week was actually a recommendation to me. Um, and it actually came from my niece, which was the book Shatter Me. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it is part of a trilogy. Um, I, I'm really not sure. Um, but at this point, several people in the family have actually read it. Um, but being 
just about 10 chapters in, I am finding that it is very relatable as far as things that have happened in reference to COVID. Okay. It's a fictional uh, story, but yet totally relatable. Interesting. And what is the name of that again? Shatter Me. And it's by, I'm going to butcher this. Tahera Mafi. Yeah. Let me just okay. spell it. Okay. The author is T-A-H-E-R-E-H. Last name M-A-F-I. Wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah. interesting name. Yeah. Um, my recommendation this week, I, I said at the beginning of the episode, is I mean, if you want to binge on, on the whole um, podcast, um, Southern Fried Southern Fried True Crime. Um it's it's a great and honestly it's one person i'm used to listening to two people in the banter i like banter um i i like banter so when i first started i'm like no i don't i don't know i don't know if i can do this but her second and third episode was the zach and addy case and that's what hooked me like because there is one I listened to. It started out with the co-host. The co-host left to do like her full-time job. And it just kind of, I mean, it's good. But she's sitting there still talking as there's two people cracking jokes and they're not funny. Yeah, you um, have that second personality to be able to carry off any kind of joke. Because, I mean, yeah, we laugh at ourselves. But at the same time, on air. You got to have that other person laughing with you. Right. Otherwise, it's crickets. Um, but Erica Kelly, is she's by herself. Um, and, and all the cases, obviously, by the name are like more southern states, like Florida, New Orleans, or Louisiana. New Orleans is a state. Too bad. Um, <laughs> you know, Texas, Tennessee. Um, there's She does a couple different cases in Nashville. She does, um, and I love to listen to her talk because I say Nashville, she says Nashville. I fucking love it. I, 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 so what I, you're telling me is she's got that thick Southern drawl. She doesn't. Certain words it comes out, but no. Oh. But, but the episodes on Zach and Addie are phenomenal. And she does there's so many cases like I could sit there and like there's some that are just ah uh, you know they stand out a few more than uh, than others do and Zach and Addie that is one that stuck with me and that's why like when we decided to do a true crime with the paranormal aspect I'm like that one like that was the first <laughs> case that popped in my head see and ironically um, when you first mentioned the case like I didn't correlate like what it was and then as soon as you said New Orleans in Louisiana, I was like, wait a minute. I think I know the case. I think I know it. I think I know it. And then when you had mentioned um, the paranormal lockdown, I was like, oh, that was where I had first seen it. And I remembered the case itself. And um, once I started diving into it 
a little bit more, I was like, oh, yes, that's why I remember. The reason I remembered the little bits that I did was because of the stove and the fridge. Yeah, because it was still there. Yeah, that's definitely uh, a creepy aspect of this case. And why? I I just want to ask the owner why. Why keep those? Right. Scrap that shit. Um. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't know. Um. You know. it could be a number of things. Maybe after Katrina, appliances were hard to come by. I don't know. So could be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a sad case all the way around. Um, yeah. So, um, so just keep your eye out for the episode on Michigan Triangles. Michigan Triangle. <laughs> Just say there was only one big one, not not multiple. Right. right. <laughs> um. So on on that note, we are going to say adios for the day. Adios. Until next time. Creep you later. Bye.